The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% deposit bonus today. We're also brought to you by OddShark. Get tips from the ship computer as well as expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Give them a follow on Twitter at OddShark and check them out online at OddShark.com. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. Today is Friday, December 28th. And what a, uh, it's almost a throwaway week um, when we talk, talk about the week 17 over the holidays and between Christmas and New Year's. And that's not to discourage you from listening. Please listen to the Yanks. We're going to go get out of here with a best bet. As always, go through the remaining bowl games, including the college football playoff, as well as the weird and wacky NFL week 17. That is uh, much differently um, than in years past. So past so many um, different types of scenarios that can play out specifically in the AFC. We're going to kind of get to each and every one of them and kind of what could happen, um, live bet scenarios, um, and probably going to kind of frankly skip over the games that do not matter. Uh, bowl game update as far as the, um, kind of the model, everything like that, um, tips, tricks, first half under, um, second half under trend was doing very well, um, regressed a little bit, I believe it sits at five and four uh, on the year into this. And again, that was uh, on the uh, everything you need to know about betting bowl season written on sportsgamingpodcast.com for you. Uh, so let's kind of dive into the remaining bowls uh, upcoming, including the national championship playoff or invitational, as Colby likes to call it. Um, on Friday this morning, if you're listening to this, we have Purdue at Auburn. And actually, we touched on these on the last week one, so we can go ahead and skip those. We can start on Saturday, December 9th. That is Florida and Michigan. I guess I'll go over the ones on Friday here. Uh, like Purdue, this this line is is flipped. Or, or, I'm sorry, this line should be flipped, in my opinion. Um, at least a pick on Purdue slightly favored. This is Auburn in name value name value kind of only here. Uh, Purdue very hungry to play in SEC school, um, I think coming out of the Big Ten West. So um, Purdue much more talent. Auburn, you know, had some much higher expectations. This is, uh, this has Auburn no show written all over it to me here. Uh, game taking a little bit of money here, obviously with the quarterback news of uh, Denji coming in. Uh, Cuse's move basically from a pick. Again, this line open essentially uh, West Virginia minus seven. So if you got some some of that on the Syracuse side, good on you. Cuse now flipped to a minus two and a half point favorite here. And uh, I think the line is uh, very warranted. Jennings not playing for West Virginia. All these guys sitting out as they are likely to be um, high-end NFL draft picks. So like um, the favorite there in that one, Syracuse minus the two and a half move to get that three. This one um, we talked about again on the last episode. Iowa State and Washington um, picked this game at a three and a half. Obviously, some money coming in on that same side. So Iowa State down from a three and a half dog to a two and a half dog. And again, like that side of Iowa, just so much you don't have to worry about when you talk about effort and coaching uh, from the Iowa State side, as well as the extra extra time to prepare will do wonders for their quarterback there. Uh, Saturday, December 29th in the Peach Bowl. And now we're getting into kind of the meat and potatoes of the bowl season. Uh, Michigan. This is a really hard game to call for me, um, simply for the fact that Michigan, I believe, is four and zero in the last four against Florida. Um, beat, you know, going back to the Tebow days. Uh, Michigan here, though, uh, Harbug. It, it would be great for them for Harbug. Obviously, honestly, one of his bigger coaching challenges is going to be to get this group of guys up for this particular game. Obviously, having such illusions of, of grandeur of, of national championship, if they were essentially a week or you know a win away from beating Ohio State and, and being in the college football playoff. 
Uh, now they're in the Peach Bowl against number 10, Florida. Uh, Harbaugh does uh, wonders as a motivator. I just don't know if he can rally the troops uh, for this spot, but nothing on this game for me, um, best sides. Virginia looks like... Um, you know, continue kind of their Cinderella season. What what a year it's been for them um, as they face up against seven uh, seven and five Carolina. Both teams at seven and five in the Belt Bowl total sitting at fifty four. Um, definitely with Virginia here. Simply like I said, I don't think South Carolina is a very good uh, team. Uh, if you look at some of their wins, not very um, not against very good talent in the least bit. While Virginia hung kind of toe to toe with some of the big boys of the college football landscape. Very excited for them to play uh, in this game and again go up against an SEC team and show kind of what they can do. I think would uh, is going to do wonders for this. Program program, recruiting, all that type of stuff. So definitely with Virginia and the points there, I'm going to skip over Nevada and Arkansas State in the Arizona Bowl. Uh, I just don't think many people out there are going to care about Mountain West and a Sun Belt team playing. I, I really don't have a, I guess I would lean Arkansas State. Uh, Notre Dame and Clemson. Obviously, this is, this will uh, kind of start our dive into the college football semifinal, Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl. Some news coming down here. Uh, of you no, know, not great. If you're a Clemson backer here, Clemson will officially be without three players, including starting defensive lineman Dexter Lawrence, who is projected to be a first-round draft pick in the NFL next year. After their B samples of the NCAA drug test uh, showed trace amounts of a banned substance. Look, this this Clemson defensive line is uh, pretty much. Uh, it's the best in the country by a large margin. And you've seen a little bit of money come in the other way uh, because of this essentially dipping from a three, 13 and a half point favorite from Clemson down to 12 and a half and the total sitting at 56 and a half as well as while we're on the subject. Uh, I don't, I've seen people on both sides of this. Um, myself, again, if you're in the market for a 25 to one Notre Dame ticket, um, go ahead and log on to propswap.com and it can be yours. I think Notre Dame truly, truly does uh, have the goods. Um, they have to keep this game close at the start. Clemson, if you haven't watched Clemson play and you're more of an NFL uh, fan, but you'll tune in because of the national championship implications, this being essentially the college football playoff, uh, Clemson has another gear uh, since they have switched quarterbacks to Trevor Lawrence. And once they get up on teams, they can play their style of football. They can pin their ears back on defense. Uh, and their front runner is the wrong word. They just can play so freely and so loosely and really play their type of football. And when you look at this, I mean, they have won games going away here. Uh, their last couple, they won by 32. They've won by 20. They've won by 30. Uh, I'm sorry, 29, 20, uh, 60, 50, uh, 49. So you, you get the picture. If Alabama wasn't the Alabama um, that you've either seen or, or heard people talking about, this would be, uh, Clemson would be an overwhelming favorite if Alabama was not, you know, and it was Georgia in the SEC championship or in the playoff instead or whatever the case may be. If Alabama somehow was not in this, um, Clemson would be the runaway favorite. It's just, uh, they kind of, ran into a year where this is something of an anomaly when it comes down to the type of team that Alabama is. Um, and Ian Book on the other side, you know, it's funny, both of these quarterbacks uh, came in basically mid-season. Kelly Bryant was a starter for Clemson, uh, Wimbush a starter for Notre Dame, both of whom are going to be transferring. We'll both be highly sought after commodities uh, for next year. To me, Trevor Lawrence is going to win a Heisman uh, at some point in his college career, um, whether it's next year, whether it's the year after that. Um, and Ian Book, you know, the, these two schools definitely have the goods. Now, a lot of people, if you're wondering why Notre Dame is such a high favorite, uh, or I'm sorry, Clemson is such a high favorite, Notre Dame uh, running the table undefeated. They're an independent conference. They haven't really played anyone truly. Maybe their best win, uh, you know, USC. Um, uh, they've had some other, you know, tough games in there. Um, you go through their schedule. Um, Michigan was obviously their biggest win uh, at week, but it was week one. It was a little bit of a different Michigan team than than the one that came to be. Virginia Tech, um, Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, USC. They just haven't played the cream of the crop. Uh, you know, not to say that Clemson has scheduled this insane, insane uh, type of 
uh, gauntlet for themselves because they haven't. Um, but I think this one, uh, I think Notre Dame is a really live dog here. Uh, and I may look crazy when, when this, cause this game does have the potential to get sideways really quickly. Um, but I'm going to go with Notre Dame in the points there, despite the, um, or on top of, I guess on the back of the, uh, suspensions, although I don't think, you know, I was on obviously, um, this side before those came down. It just looks a little bit better at this point. Um, so let's move on to college football semifinal in the, the orange bowl total sitting at a 77 and Alabama currently sits in the marketplace as a 14 point favorite at my bookie.ag. God, again, if you're not a, you know, you're not into the dregs of college football, but you're going to watch this game. Oklahoma is probably has the, one of the bottom five defenses in the country. They just happen to have the best quarterback in college football, who is a Heisman winner, Kyler Murray, who you'll also probably be seeing down the line on the Oakland A's. Um, and their offense is just that good. Obviously, it, you know, out goes Baker Mayfield and steps Kyler Murray. Uh, results are the same. Um, they kind of lucked into the college playoffs. Some things just kind of broke their way, and I'm not trying to discount their wins. Uh, but big, fo- uh, big football, Big 12 football is a very different breed um, than SEC. And Alabama, um, this is probably where our consensus best bet is going to come in. Um, and it's not going to be, you know, Alabama on the spread or, or the over at 77. This Alabama team total opened up at 47, I believe is what's available in the marketplace right now. Um, I have had it in my head for a long time that Alabama is going to put up at least 50. Um, and this is the college football playoff. They are not going to let up. Nick Saban is not going to let up. I think that Tua Tagaloa and the Alabama team, Nick Saban, I think they're all very upset that Tua did not win the Heisman. Uh, and I think that they're going to take out all their frustrations on, on Kyler Murray and this team. And, and I think Oklahoma rules here. I really do. Uh, 14 points is a lot in a, you know, it's, it's crazy that these two games are essentially what a uh, 26 and a half total uh, point favorites between the two of them. Uh, but I think it's for good reason, uh, at least on this Alabama side. So, um, spoil anything, but Alabama team total over 47 is probably looking like one of the, the better bets of this bowl season. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go, uh, God, I really do think Notre Dame is live here, but I think that both favorites end out squeaking this out. So Clemson and Alabama, likely your national championship, uh, if things hold true here, uh, Monday on new year's Eve, we have Cincinnati and Virginia tech Kramer's Hokies roll into town or limp into town. I should say in the military bowl. This Virginia Tech team limping in at six and six, Cincinnati at ten and two. Uh, and when we look at this, Cincinnati favored by four and a half. Uh, I think it's a great number. Um, when I say that uh, for the two, you know, a great number two back Cincinnati had here. Anything under a touchdown, I think, is great for Cincinnati. This team is much better than the Virginia Tech team uh, on all accounts. Virginia Tech just carries a little bit of name power. Um, great coaching staff. Virginia Tech will be back. This is just uh, this was a really down year for them. While Cincinnati a bowl win here on new year's Eve is going to really cap off a, a tremendous season for the Bearcats hats and or, sorry, yep, for what they've been um, able to do here. So um, Michigan state and Oregon, not much here. Um, <laughs> I really don't have uh, much. I'm not going to go into de- too much detail. Same thing with Stanford and Pittsburgh. I think we kind of breeze by this Missouri, Oklahoma state total sitting at 74 and a half, uh, much like some of the other ones that we've seen. I think this goes flying over the total. The last two times that these teams played, uh, was all the way back in 2014, put up 72 points. Uh, but neither team here wants to play much football. You know, this stat of uh, Jake Locke against a group of five teams plays absolutely uh, great. So, um, would lean, Oh God, it's such a big number that I think it's too big to lay with Missouri here, but I think this over makes a ton of sense. Even at the high number, it's really set that high for a reason. Texas A&M uh, currently sitting as a seven point favorite in the Texas uh, tax Slayer Bowl. Uh, same thing here for recruiting, for everything, for, uh, you know, 
Jimbo Fisher for everything that he's been able to do. I think you're going to see a lot of um, this Texas A&M team is going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. And I think a win here is going to really cap this off. They have uh, the talent gap here is absolutely huge between Texas A&M and, and an NC State team that's really had you know a really good season at nine and three. It's just that the talent gap here is too big. So anything right you know at the seven or below, definitely lean with A&M. And as we move on to the New Year's table, I don't know if there's anything better than being a little hungover from New Year's Eve before, getting a you know, roll over and turn on the TV. You're gonna get Mississippi and Iowa Mississippi State and Iowa. And I don't know if that's quite the marquee matchup that you're looking at, but if you sleep through that one, you're gonna get a great one with LSU and UCF, Colby's national champions, UCF Golden Knights currently said as a seven and a half point uh underdog. No, Mackenzie Milton, starting quarterback for UCF, is a huge deal. I don't want to understate that. Um, but the backup came in and really looked well. Um, this LSU team at one point were a win against Alabama away from really, you know, making their season, their season being made. Um, so there's definitely a little bit of that. I, I think that they kind of overachieved from the get-go, which I think helps with, you know, I, once you're in that position, uh, of course you believe you can do it. I just don't think that the, their expectations were to always play in, you know, a national championship in the college football playoff or Rose Bowl, whatever the case may be. If this was really supposed to look at, you know, be a down year. Um, and myself, you know, having an LSU under six and a half ticket really could rip that one up pretty early. So a great, do- a great job by Coach O here. Uh, and this one, again, the talent gap is huge, but if UCF wins this, um, they deserve it. But I think the, the winning streak likely does come to an end here. Although at the current price points, the value is definitely there for the money line stab, as well as taking uh, UCF plus the seven and a half points there for sure. Benny Snell finishes his SEC career at Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. Same time frame at 10 a.m. Vegas time against Trace McSorley in his last game against Penn State. Penn State currently sitting at minus six and a half, total sitting at 47 and a half. Uh, talent is, you know, talent gap here for sure. There is a much more talented team from the Penn State side. Uh, McSorley's last game, uh, you know, kind of, I want to say it cancels out because one's a quarterback, but I think that Benny Snell wants to go out with a bang. Um, definitely will be in the NFL. I don't think he'll be an early round pick, but definitely should be able to find a home in the National Football League for Benny Snell and such a good story for him as well. And McSorley, uh, you know, Heisman uh, Granders throughout his college, his collegiate career, never really put it together much like, you know, I hate to bring up the Christian Hackenberg situation because we know what he turned into, but there's a lot of uh, similarities there, you know, not just that they went to Penn State, but that's obviously the glaring one. They just, neither quarterback could really put it together, you know, collegiately. Uh, so I think this talent gap is real big. And I think that McSorley coming in here with last game, uh, Penn State minus six and a half, probably the way to go here. Washington and Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> this one's a little bit tough to call in the fact that. Ohio State, you know, could have, you can make a very big case for Ohio State to be in this, uh, you know, after the win at Michigan, you could definitely, it was a toss up. Let me say that between the committee, um, to, not to bore you with details, but there was just a couple of things that broke uh, Oklahoma's way. When you look at Ohio State, I mean, at 12 and one, this definitely arguments to be made here. Dwayne Haskins, really Heisman, you know, Heisman contender doesn't under, doesn't sell enough uh, for what he the type of year that he's had and this will be his final game here. It's a big number uh, for sure, but I think that Ohio State this I believe Urban Meyer is coaching this game. Um, he is definitely coaching this game, uh, and so the you know the narrative is going to be Urban Meyer's last game. Ohio State wants to get get a, you know get this win for him. Um, Ohio, um, Meyer has had an unbelievable track record both against the spread and straight up in bowl games, uh, but. 
the narrative is being written a little bit like it's a foregone conclusion that this is just such an obvious spot to get up and send Urban Meyer, you know, uh, away happy, if you will, um, as if Washington's kind of in on that. So Washington is a very good football, a very good football team. Um, so make no mistake about it. This number is probably a little inflated due to the Meyer factor. Um, but I think, you know, if you want to have some fun in, in a teaser or a money line piece, I think that Ohio State makes a little bit of sense there as well. Texas and Georgia. I believe it was Herb Street, uh, Kirk Herb Street, who said this. there's a very good chance that both these teams are going to be in the national championship or at least in the playoff next year. Um, and there's an argument to be made that Georgia is probably the number, you know, the third best school in the nation. I think it was also him that, that said that. Um, for Texas, I mean, uh, is Texas back? Is, is seems to be the the question that that comes up every single year once they rattle off a couple wins, an up and down season. It kind of got away from them late. Obviously, the loss at Oklahoma really buried them. And, you know, losing pretty handily 39-27 after winning three straight. But when you look at their losses, West Virginia, these are high-powered offenses, right? Oklahoma um, was the last loss. Oklahoma State, another high-powered offense um, in the Big 12. Maryland, you can kind of uh, largely throw that. That was a, a huge um, emotional win uh, off of everything that happened with their quarterback and, and stuff like that. So I kind of somewhat give them a pass. Um, for week one, and again, much like we saw, teams are very different, much like Michigan losing to Notre Dame in week one and saw what they were able to do. So these teams are definitely on the rise, and this is a lot of points. Uh, make no mistake about it, and you have to worry about the uh, motivation factor for Georgia. You know, I, I realize it's a sugar bowl. It's a very prestigious bowl. It's effectively the, you know, next to the Rose Bowl, I guess, um, the third or fourth highest importance of bowls. Um, so... Georgia is a very good school. Uh, Texas is a very good. These are two very good programs, um, and they are definitely on the rise. So be on the lookout for them next year. Both of them should probably be in your futures portfolio if you're into into that kind of thing. Um, to me, the best bet probably in this game is, is the over here. Both offenses are, are going to score, and I don't see a ton of defense being played there. And that kind of wraps up the 2018, 2019 at that point, uh, bowl season. Obviously, we will have the national championship game as as the one outstanding one. I don't even know when that what the date on that. I think it's two weeks after uh, for the winners of uh, their respective playoffs. Um, and you know, again, speaking back to kind of the college experience podcast, back to the uh, SGP feed and kind of how they you know Colby jokes around calls at the Invitational. Um, there is rumblings of you know expansion, all that type of stuff. And I think in the next few years, you're going to see at least six or at least eight teams out there. Uh, and um, we'll go from there. But for the current landscape here. You know, Oklahoma and Ohio State both have a legitimate gripe to be, you know, that last team in there. But once you start breaking that out to the fifth and sixth teams, there's always going to be a seventh team that has a, you know, there's always going to be one team, whatever you set the number at, that definitely has a uh, realistic resume and a a shot to be in there. But um, for the college season or college bowl week, rather, let's go with Alabama team total over 47 for the best bet for the Inside Vegas podcast. And let's finish up this uh, abbreviated, I guess, version of the Inside Vegas podcast. We're going to go over to the NFL. But as always, the Inside Vegas podcast and the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network on the Inside Vegas. We're also brought to you by Oddshark. Get free tips and tricks from the shipping computer and expert writing staff as well as data-driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. All right. So week 17 in the National Football League Week 17 is funny. It really used to be this, uh, you know, fantasy leagues largely run through week 16. 
um, you know, DFS uh, tournaments aren't really the same. There's there used to be so much irrelevancy uh, surrounding Week 17. I'll, I'll never forget as a kid. You know, I that was the first time I saw. I think it was Michael Turner when he was a backup uh, for the Chargers. Uh, you know, coming into the game for Ladainian Tomlinson, and you used to see all these backups coming in. You're going to see a little bit of that uh, this year. Uh, but this week 17 is largely, um, it's much more relevant than it has you know, been in the past, specifically in the AFC. And the AFC has really flip-flopped uh, from the NFC. You know, In the AFC, time in, year after year after year, you have the, you've used to have the Patriots, you used to have the Steelers, and you used to have everyone else. Uh, and you know, largely the reason why the Patriots have been to so many AFC championship games in a row. When you look at the AFC this year, uh, it, it's really wide open. I, I would think that, you know, New England definitely having a little bit of a down year, uh, especially with the loss of Josh Gordon. And when you look at the NFC, conversely, now you have the Saints, you have the Rams, and you have everyone else. Um, When you look at teams like the Bears, uh, so for me, I'm going to break this down a little bit, but there's always, I always have such a hard time getting behind first year quarterbacks or first year coaches. It's actually a spot I really tend to, you know, fade or, or bet against. You know, we saw it last year with Jared Goff, his first playoff quarterbacks in their first playoff start are a very, very bad bet. Again, both against the spread and straight up. We saw, I believe two years ago with Dak Prescott, it's come up time and time again. So it, it would really not um, surprise me if you saw a team like the bears, uh, you know, with, um, both the first-year head coach and quarterback with Trubisky and Nagy in that first spot, the moment just becomes so big. And on the other side in the AFC, with Mahomes, um, Mahomes may just be that dude and may just have different DNA. And because he's on, you know, such high-powered offense, whatever the case may be, he, you know, he could buck that trend. But traditionally, it has been a very good bet. And so when we, when we let's start with the AFC in the playoffs picture. Um, Kansas City, you know, obviously clinched a. a the playoffs, but several ways they can get home field advantage, hold field advantage throughout the playoffs. Um, if the Chiefs beat the Raiders, uh, <laughs> pretty much it. Chiefs can clinch number one, and they tie the Raiders and the Chargers lose or tie the Broncos. They can also clinch the top seed if the Chargers lose, Patriots lose, and the Texans lose. And finally, they can clinch the number one seed if the Chargers lose, Pats lose, and the Chiefs uh, clinch a strength of strength of victory tie over the Texans through the outcome of the other games. Uh, so. Win and they're the number one seed. Very easy for the Chiefs. Um, if you go, you know, all the way down, there's, there's again, there's a million different scenarios in here. Some of them are, are kind of outlandish. Uh, but if the Chiefs lose and the Chargers win, uh, Chiefs would be the number five seed. <laughs> so a wide range of outcomes can can obviously happen there. New England at ten and five clinched a playoff spot. Uh, you betcha, you can thank the AFC East for that one again. Pats do need some uh, help to get some home field advantage throughout the playoffs. If they win and the Chiefs and Chargers lose, Pats could get the top seed. Number two seed, Patriots already won their division, uh, so it's you know kind of set in stone here for New England. They simply have to beat the Jets, and then they get the the number two seed. Again, they can fall the way fall all the way down to the number four seed if the Patriots lose and two of the Texans, Titans, and Ravens win. Patriots will fall the four seed. Tennessee and Baltimore both have the tiebreaker over New England. Houston Texans. Um, I'm not even going to get into the number one seed here, but the number two Texans. I'm not going to get into two. Let's just say the three te- most likely one. Texans will be the third. Third seed if they win against the Jaguars or if they lose against the Jaguars and the Titans and Colts game ends in a tie. So very not likely there as well. Baltimore. Baltimore is so many different range of outcomes and none of them are, are very outlandish. I mean, the Ravens don't even have a, a playoff spot yet, uh, but they could still 
potentially be all the way up to the two seed. That's kind of how wild and up for grabs the AFC East is. They can get a buy in two ways. Um, if the Ravens win, the Patriots lose, and the Texans uh, lose, and Colts-Titans um, does not end in a tie, two, the Ravens win, Pats lose, the Texans lose, and Baltimore beats Houston in the strength of victory tiebreaker, yada, yada, yada. Effectively, probably looking at a four-seed uh, for Baltimore. Chargers obviously already clinched. Chargers need help. I mean, they could get a number one seed again. There, there's so many different out here. Um, number five AFC, it's either all of nothing in terms of buys, home field for the Chargers and Chiefs. If the Chargers are either the one, or if the Chargers are either the number one with a win or number five, if the Chiefs win, they're the fifth seed, or if the Chiefs tie and the Chargers lose. Nothing about this sounds easy. I, a lot of this is pretty much set in stone. There's just, I'm saying all this to show you that basically there's so many different outcomes that can, and again, I can go through each one, but it's really not worth the time to do that. Um, here's one that makes it a lot easier. We have a playoff game on Sunday and it's on Sunday night. It's been flexed. The NFL definitely did the right thing here with Indianapolis, um, versus the Tennessee Titans and a banged up Marcus Mariota. Um, I was talking about this on a different podcast earlier. Uh, I think a lot of people effectively looked at this line and thought it was a little bit fishy, especially if it was Gabbert and because of the magnitude books, you know, really wanted to hang a line for this. And they did, uh, you know, basically at Indianapolis is a consensus three in the marketplace, uh, opened up two and a half at some places, 77% of spread bets are, are on Indianapolis here. So if you're a contrarian better, you're a fade the public type of guy, Tennessee is probably your side here. I think that when we look at this, you know, when you look at this at first glance, I think you think maybe thinking like I did that three is a, a very short number here, two and a half. Um, but odds makers have been on record a bunch of times, effectively saying that there's not, you know, a huge difference point spread wise when it, it drops down from Mariota to Blaine Gabbert, and maybe you can make the argument this year that Mariota has improved a little bit, has progressed, uh, but. I mean, so why is it only a three? I think that four and five largely are dead numbers. So would you feel better if this game was at five even? Maybe, you know, six has effectively become the uh, next, you know, the newest key number in the NFL since they moved the extra point back. You can't make it seven because they're going to get absolutely flooded with professional money on the dog here, you know, at that big of a price, uh, laying that big of a number. So the number, you know, when you, you kind of dig into it a little bit more, uh, the number does make sense here. But at least the NFL did the right thing and kind of, uh, you know, gave us, a playoff game uh, a week early on Sunday Night Football did an absolutely great thing there. So that one should be you know fun to watch. And Andrew Luck, definitely probably the runaway favorite for comeback player of the year was, uh, I think that one was, I want to say like plus 600, plus 500 at the beginning of the year was pretty much probably the most obvious one in the bunch there. But the AFC really, really up for grabs here. On the NFC side, not as much here. We have the Saints. In the Rams, likely the one and two scenario there. Chicago at eleven and four. Dallas nine and six clinch division. Uh, and Seattle again nine and six coming in over their win total of eight. And the Seattle team always has dark horse, you know, kind of in front of them just because of Russell Wilson and the ability they have to play defense. Uh, but the Seahawks team is is deeply, deeply flawed as as well as a lot of the NFC. When we go to Minnesota, have not clinched a playoff berth, but they can get the number five seed if the Vikings beat the Bears and the Seahawks lose which is somewhat unlikely. The Vikings would also be the fifth seed um, in that matchup. So number six, they get the number six seed, which is the most likely one. If the Vikings win or tie against the Bears, they clinch a playoff berth. So win and they're in uh, for the Vikings. Bears and Nagy have said that they're going to play their starters. Uh, but if you believe the line, I think that line making Minnesota that big of a favorite really implies that they, at some point, uh, they see Chicago kind of pulling their starters. It does not make sense. Chicago has nothing to play for. Um, 
And when we break down to the Eagles, Sean's Eagles, the only shot the Eagles have to get into the playoff involves the Bears beating the Vikings and the Eagles beating the Redskins. So the Eagles have to win their game and the Bears have to beat the Vikings. So they're going to need some help to reach back and or at least get back into the playoff picture. So a ton of different scenarios. Again, you can you can read them, read all about them. There's a million different that could happen. You know, some of them are, are very, very outlandish, uh, involving ties and all that type of stuff, but a few of them, you know, involving teams like the Ravens, um, charges dropping down. Some of them aren't so uh, far-fetched when you really break down what could happen, uh, in this type of scenario. So that one's out there for you. But again, there's a large portion of these week 17 games that are very, very irrelevant. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about them. Just, uh, I don't know, you know, there's not much to say, to be frank. Um, so let's break into it. Miami heads to Buffalo. Buffalo sitting at a four and a half point favorite, and the total sits at 39 and a half. And this is one of those games where their neither team has absolutely anything to play for. Uh, so I, I'm not really gonna, you know, I haven't made a bet on this. I'm not gonna try to break this down into detail when there's nothing to play here. Nothing to play for here. Um, so it's kind of tough to find an angle here. Detroit heads to Green Bay. Green Bay is a minus eight point favorite and the total sitting at 44 and a half. I don't have a ton in here as well because neither team does have um, anything. This is a completely meaningless season finale. What I will say, um, because I think I I almost fell into this trap, as as you know, I like to bet against Stafford, against teams, um, winning teams. The trend, I, I believe it's like seven in, you know, 60 something right now at this point. I don't have it right up in front of me, but that, that trend applies to teams that finish the year above 500 and sometimes you can obviously cheat and know who's going to finish the year above 500 but make no mistake even with a win um just because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback this Green Bay team is going to finish below 500 so don't just put Stafford on auto fade thinking it's against a winning team that trend does not apply uh just because it's Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay that Green Bay is not a winning team so um, buyer beware if you're just looking to fade Stafford against a quote-unquote good or, or winning team. Definitely not the situation to do so uh, this week in Week 17. Jacksonville uh, versus Houston. Houston, obviously the home favorite. Six and a half in the marketplace total sitting at 40. <laughs> um, Texans clinch the division um, by beating the Jags. Very simple here. Jacksonville has been, this is such a disappointment last season and Blake Bortles obviously coming back in to be the starter for this finale. Probably most likely uh, his last game as uh, Jaguar. Although the fact that Justin Herbert not coming out in the draft, which pretty much everybody had Herbert pegged to go to Jacksonville as the first quarterback taken, um, complicates things here. So they can take the kid out of Duke, you know, Haskins if he potentially falls, you know, a Bridgewater or Winston. Jaguars are going to be the market for a quarterback, and Herbert, you know, was a large domino to uh, not fall there. So this one is very likely Houston um, kind of running away with this. I don't. I don't know how much motivation Houston has here. I mean, um, Jacksonville. The only thing I will say is, you know, for say what you want about Bortles, uh, he will be motivated. He's playing for his next contract. He's playing for his next team. But a um, motivated <laughs> Blake Bortles is a still not very good one. Um, but yeah, the Texans guarantee themselves an AFC title and a home playoff game if they beat Jacksonville um, on Sunday. It's it's really that simple. So. I think Houston uh, wants to do so, uh, and I think they will get this job done in the early time slot. New England, almost a two-touchdown favorite, 13.5 against the lowly New York Jets. Uh, hard to build this game up, right? Pats has something to gain. Jets, nothing to gain. I guess nothing to lose. Division rivalry. Um, Pats have again clinched the AFC, as, a, as I touched on, uh, but they would like to land a, a first-round bye. I think they'll need to beat the Jets um, to get kind of that ball rolling and then get some help, but they do trail the Chiefs, uh, the Pats, that is. When we break this game kind of down individually, this New England team, it's crazy how high New England has set the bar. 
when we're talking about a team that's likely to go 11 and five, same record they had with Matt Castle the year they missed the playoffs um, and they're a runaway, you know, division winner. Uh, and if you, you know, kind of take away the fluke Miami loss, um, would we have be having this conversation assuming they win here at, at 12 and four, but the eye test, uh, obviously not the same new England team here. Gronkowski, very likely, I would say at this point to probably be done at the end of this year, which I feel like you blink and, and you kind of missed his career at this point, but he through things he said, things I've heard through channels. He's, uh, I think it's a very, very real possibility. Um, that he kind of rides away from the NFL and, and kind of does his own thing. Maybe the Pat McAfee route of whatever that is, whether it be media, YouTube, um, guardian and sit around Simon Barstool or something. Right. But I think Gronkowski has a, a very lucrative media career waiting for him. The second he steps away. And when you talk about all of the injuries he's occurred, um, for that type of guy, uh, definitely, definitely in the cards here, but new England, um, you know, I often don't, I often, I don't often advocate, you know, teasers, money line parlays, you know, maybe outside of one to two a week. Uh, I think the new England going to win this game and there's very few things you can count on in the national football league. Uh, but new England definitely, I don't see how they lose this game. So you can kind of pair them with a Kansas city, uh, with a Pittsburgh, uh, in kind of different ways, whether it be a 10 pointer or something like that to have fun on, on the last week of the national football league. But it's New England or pass. I can't but get behind this lowly Jets team against home New England, um, looking pretty badly and wanting to gain momentum with something to gain uh, going into the playoffs. Carolina and New Orleans. New Orleans sitting at a seven and a half point favorite, total sitting at 43 and a half. The Tyler Heineke experiment is over in steps undrafted free agent Kyle Allen. Uh, so here's, as we touched on what's different, this is probably a live bet only game. And I say that because uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Breeze has come out and said, Peyton has come out and said, going to get some work and going to get a lot of work. It just depends on when he enters the game. Um, and so is Bridgewater and said backups of the saints, uh, you know, good enough to beat Carolina. I mean, uh, odds makers think so and selling them as a seven and a half point favorite speaks volumes. Uh, but if you are in the camp of you think you can get a better number, uh, fading, um, or betting on Bridgewater or betting against, um, that would be the time I would make a move into, um, for market entry type of thing. I wouldn't want to be caught holding a, you know, having that in my back pocket of seven, of laying seven and a half, if it is all backups, because again, the saints have absolutely zero to gain, um, in Carolina playing for nothing as well. So a game I really want nothing to do with. Um, so not much going to say about that other than, uh, look out for Bridgewater to get a ton of run in this game. Dallas in this season finale uh, against the Giants. I mean, so it looks like a very weird line at the start of Giants minus six. Uh, but that's that's what week 17 will do, right? When we talk about how weird this week is, uh, nothing to really play for here as well. And so, I mean, this is the Eli Manning audition. I mean, I think you know what you have with Eli Manning if you're Giants. You don't think you need to see him um, play in a game and Dallas needs to kind of rest their guys and get healthy here. Probably very likely no Odell Beckham as well. So not a game I want to get, you know, hold a pregame position on. Uh, this one I do Atlanta, a one point road favorite, basically a pick them. Um, some other places in the market total sitting at 51. Um, the reason I say this is both of these teams, I mean, God, their defense has been so bad uh, throughout the year. Both these teams have been such, you know, great overs, uh, whatever two teams that we have, uh, targeted on the DFS podcast week in and week out at great success. And so when they're facing each other, you know, um, I really lean towards Atlanta and I say that because of this, um, if you're not familiar with the name Ryan Griffin, um, I was not either, but definitely uh, you're going to be, he's going to play this game. Um, he's been with the Tampa Bay organization for, I believe three years, uh, and his, uh, Dirk Cutter has said he wants to get him a ton of run. He's really worked 
Colt worked his tail off, been been here busting his butt every single day, um, and they want to get him some run. And with the Buccaneers likely to move on from Winston, I think that Ryan and company, um, Julio, I believe, has some, you know, I think can get the receiving title, some other things in there for his own statistical performances that probably keeps Atlanta in this and motivated. While Tampa Bay is looking to get a uh, practice player in there for a feel-good moment. And so I think having some Atlanta pick in your back pocket is definitely not a bad thing for a pregame position here. So definitely leaning towards Atlanta. And if you don't want to do that pregame, I would largely look to uh, bet against one Ryan Griffin, who has never seen an NFL down in his career, um, coming into the game for Tampa Bay at some point. And again, um, Tampa Bay are going to be needing another quarterback. Looking to definitely be moving on from Jameis Winston, it's, it seems. They're definitely not picking up his fifth-year option. So, um, Cleveland heads to Baltimore. Baltimore, a minus five and a five, minus five and a half point favorite here. Winning the in for Baltimore. Um, and Cleveland has the opportunity to finish above 500. And what a difference a year makes from the 0-16 season. Could finish the year 8-7-1 and one as they look up to wrap, this, rack up, wrap up their season. Um, Baker Mayfield probably should win uh, Rookie of the Year. Barkley definitely has had the better statistical season, but there's no rookie who has done more for their team and for a franchise. It just kind of depends on what really means more in the eyes of those people who have those type of rookie of the year votes and everything like that. Um, My vote would go for Baker Mayfield. I don't think you can discount what he has done for this team and this culture um, at all. And while Barkley has been electric, you know, stepping into the league and being a top five running back is not an easy thing, uh, especially with that much hype in that marketplace. Um, and obviously, a quarterback has much more control over a game uh, than a running back. So it's a little bit of apples and oranges comparison here. But when you look at it as a whole body of work, uh, I think that Mayfield probably deserves it. Whether he wins it or not remains to be seen. Um, but I want to talk about Baltimore here. Baltimore has, with Lamar Jackson, passing every single test. I mean, that Chargers game on primetime, um, the toughest defense he has faced by far. And people forget, Lamar Jackson really came, you know, when he stepped into the starting quarterback role off that bye, he faced there basically was not a better type of situation for who he had got to play um, when it comes to a rushing defenses uh, because obviously that is his game, right? He got Bengals, he got Raiders, he got Falcons, he got Chiefs, uh, he got Bucks, and then obviously the last game against the Chargers passed every test with flying colors. Uh, and so I think to me, with this much motivation on the line for Baltimore, this is a little bit too much too soon for Mayfield uh, and company. Now, this is likely... You know, last year or last week, I really thought there was way too many points in a divisional game, especially coming from someone who will tell you over and over that the spread does not matter. The spread is dead. That was the one I circled as the where the spread will matter. Um, and I'm going right back to this well um, with this Cleveland team, although be it opposite. Uh, I think that Cleveland, you know, Baltimore likely wins. Uh, Cleveland covers. This is likely a three point game here. Baltimore also bottom three in the league uh, of pace of play, time of possession, all that type of stuff now, which has been a huge under, um, you know, trend for first half unders, full game unders, because they run the ball so much with the tandem of Lamar Jackson uh, and Gus Edwards. And what a, you know, disappointing end to a breakout campaign for John Brown. Hopefully he gets to go somewhere else and, and kind of continue uh, his breakout because he was having one hell of a year with Joe Flacco. Uh, the offense just obviously shifted there uh, once Lamar Jackson came in. So um, Cleveland to cover, Baltimore likely wins. Oakland heads to Kansas City to, you know, lambs through the slaughter here. It's 13 and a half point dogs. This is a get right game for KC. They need this momentum. Um, you know, it's you think of KC as this juggernaut at the end of the year, likely finishing 12 and four. Um, 
you know, I feel like people think of them as this one to two last team. And the reality is, you know, they've struggled as of late. The defense has glaring weaknesses, huge ones. Uh, I will say this um, when it comes to the prop market, Travis Kelsey, I believe, needs 60 yards. And we're going to touch on this uh, in, a, in a game coming up as well. Needs only 60 yards to uh, overcome the single season receiving yards record for tight ends. Um, so if you have, you know, a prop market, you know, we saw what Andy did, uh, Andy Reed did last year uh, with Kareem Hunt, getting him that rushing title on purpose and then pulling him right after that. You could be looking at a scenario here where Kelsey uh, gets that as well. The only problem with that is he only needs 60 um, and then he is likely to come out here, but Kansas city needs a win. Um, they're going to put up a lot of points here. It's just, I don't know how long stars are going to say and all that type of stuff, but a Kelsey prop, um, Likely very appetizing here. Chicago and Minnesota, we touched on this. This is what, you know, this is why you bring Kirk Cousins to town. Um, uh, Kirk Cousins versus winning teams, four and 26 or 27, I believe it's, it is at now. This, uh, the Cousins investment, it, you hate to say it rests on this, um, but this is a make or break. I want to say make or break, but this is the reason you bring Kirk Cousins to town. And if he cannot win this game, there is a, a real problem here. Um, but a winning in scenario here. I think again, this is another live bet. You know, maybe Chicago first half where they play their starters. At some point, it makes doesn't make any sense to have starters in there for the whole game for um, Nagy and company. So I think a Chicago first half bet makes a little bit of sense. And, and you know, live betting or taking Minnesota in the second half when you see those starters come out. Um, and the thing Minnesota gets this gets this done. Um, I really do. Uh, I think the Cousins. It's going to be a little bit of a tainted victory in that he didn't beat you know necessarily in Chicago, um, but he'll he'll get a win against a, a quote unquote winning team um, and limp into the playoffs for Vikings. Uh, Pittsburgh again, another one I touched on. There's not a ton of, to stay here. This is home Pittsburgh wrapping up a very disappointing season, trying not to go eight seven and one, looking for that nine six and one. Steelers need a lot of help uh, to get into the playoffs. Um, if they beat the Bengals, they could reach the postseason if either uh, Cleveland beats Baltimore or the Colts tie with the Titans. So uh, likely Steelers are, are sitting on the sidelines at the end of this uh, uh, at the end of this year, um, not making the playoffs. Obviously, the retirement questions for Big Ben will, will come into play and all that type of stuff as they do every single year. Um, but they should absolutely roll here. I'm not advocating taking, you know, over two touchdowns in the NFL, whether it be draft or skull or not, um, despite having a nice cover last week. Uh, this one to me, again, I think you could do worse. I really do. than having a um, Kansas City, Pittsburgh and New England, uh, a nice little money line for you there as well. Philadelphia and Washington. This is the heaviest bet split uh, game of the week where 81% of backers are taking the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Foles uh, to uh, went in cover here against Washington and Josh Johnson, who was effectively on a, a reserve arena league contract, I believe, uh, before the Redskins saw what the ghost of Mark Sanchez had left to offer. So um, Philadelphia can, can win, um, and they need help to get into the playoffs. Uh, Philadelphia can can get back to the promised land. Um, division obviously out of the question, but there is an opportunity for Philadelphia if they can get some help to make it back. And what a weird scenario. You know, you always hear about the Super Bowl hangover is, is usually the loser. Um a, you know, regression certainly from Wentz. I don't know that he was ever fully healthy yet, um, but certainly some regression um, coming from this Philadelphia team, and I'd be a little bit worried there. Chargers in Denver, um, not even going to touch on this game. Very meaningless on both sides. San Francisco and the Rams. This is one I do want to touch on, and I want to touch on it in the prop market because this is probably likely a very golden opportunity. Um, George Kittle is... I believe 99 yards uh, away from the single season reception record, much like Kelsey for receiving tight ends. 
he missed it on another record. I forget what it was. Um, but Shanahan had apologized to him at length. Um, and so there was a press conference where they effectively said that their goal is to get him this record. And what's best about this is that they are going to know exactly how many yards they need to get him um, because Kelsey plays earlier in the day. Um, and so this type of opportunity truly I don't think comes along very often where it's someone you know is going to get force-fed it in the game plan. Um, and they're single, you know, San Francisco again. They've been frisky. I don't want to you know, discount what they've had to endure with losing their quarterback, having their receiver, you know, not, you know, they've had to deal with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. And while they've been scrappy at times, this is really a lost season for them. And I think that next year you're going to get a definite discount on their win total because of it. Um, and Garoppolo and company should be back uh, a little much better um, than this, but that Kittle prop, I, I, I don't think you can get a much better uh, prop win or lose, um, you're going to get force fed the opportunity there. So George Kittle over likely the best bet of the week here. Um, Seattle, if there's one team to you know ruin your day in a money line parlay, please do not get greedy and throw Seattle in here. This is, you know, they played last, uh, they played beginning first quarter of the season, I believe. Um, Seattle wins by one by three. This is a uh, a divisional matchup. This is way too many points. I get I get all that. The, if there is one team to ruin your your mighty line parlay here, this is what Seattle does. You want to back Seattle uh, when they're in you know prime time at a pick, a home underdog, that type of thing. Seattle always zigs. Um, when the public zags, if that makes sense, whenever they're getting a, a large bet split, they're a big favorite. That's when they lose outright. And off that, you know, huge win against Kansas City in prime time, um, this is the exact type of situation uh, that Seattle has dropped the ball in the past time and time again. And finally, I touched on this one. This is the playoff matchup of the week. Indianapolis uh, heads to Tennessee, three-point road favorite here. And this is there's going to be an appetite from professionals uh, for the home underdog here. I, I really do believe that. Um, fading the public, this is likely to, going to be the biggest decision for books over the weekend. Um, again, maybe outside of that Philadelphia one. But let me pull up uh, exactly how many bets because I think this one even has more bets than that. So this one is, again, 77% of bettors are taking Indianapolis on the spread. There are 2,400 tickets written um, on this particular one. And as I look at Philadelphia, yeah, only 20. Oh no, Philadelphia one does have more. So the Philadelphia one will be a bigger decision, um, but 82% of the money also in Indianapolis. So this will be the biggest decision of the books weekend, um, bar none. Um, so if you're contrarian better, looking to put your side on this, looking to put yourself on the side of Las Vegas, uh, this is definitely your type of contrarian home underdog. So I wish you all the best. I don't know if I can get myself, uh, you don't know if you'll catch me uh, back in Marcus Mariota in a win and in scenario when this team has largely done this with smoke and mirrors, but all the power to you. And I truly wish you the best of luck if you decide to do so. Um, but that will really wrap up the regular season of, uh, the NFL and college bowls. Um, We'll do. Um, we'll, we'll do is we'll have next week. We'll have the wild card. We'll have all that type of situ all that type of stuff coming down the pike. Um, we'll have a. We're going to get back to kind of the different handicapper each week. Um, it was just for the last couple of weeks we have obviously ran solo just because the bowl games weren't too appetizing. Um, Colby was covering all the college football stuff, so it didn't make a ton of sense to kind of beat a dead horse when this is something of the only type of scenario on. Um, but we're going to be gearing up for college basketball, March Madness, all that type of stuff. So we're going to have um, the playoffs, uh, you know, kind of 
round uh, table, I guess you will, discussion um, with a different handicapper each week for each and every playoff one. We'll do a Super Bowl prop bonanza, probably looking to get Monique on for that one here as well. Props have always been kind of my bread and butter in the NFL, hers as well. So we did very well last year on the, you know, going through pretty much, I think we did like 10 or 20 props each. We started with a thousand dollar bankroll and kind of where we wanted to, you know, put more money on different types of bets. So we'll definitely have that one up um, probably for the Super Bowl. Um, we'll save her for that one. Um, but next week we'll have on different handicapper to do the wild card, all that type of stuff, and, and as well as preview of the national championship, of course. So as always, guys, please rate, subscribe, and review on iTunes. Um, and I hope you guys have enjoyed the regular season of the NFL, looking at different handicappers and, and you know different ways to handicap games and all that type of stuff. I think it's been so valuable to see that there are so many different ways to handicap football, both college and the NFL, whether it be prop bets, whether it be DFS, you know, model. Uh, film guys. So want to take a, you know, a minute to thank each and every handicapper that's been out there um, that have done so much, you know, for the show on the sports gaming podcast network, you know, whether it be um, Eric Rosenthal, Harvey spread investor, God, there's been so many Monique. If um, I really just, I didn't plan on doing that. So I, I missed them. I'm sure eight of them, but I can't thank every, every single guest um, that came on the show to kind of spread their, you know, how they do things, Andy, White Whale, all those guys. So cannot thank the, all of those guests enough. I hope you guys have enjoyed the regular season wrap up of the NFL season and the bowl season as well. So we are marching towards the playoffs. I'm sure we'll do a playoff. Well, when we do next week's show, we'll do a playoff primer and kind of all that type of stuff. We'll look at the best odds, all that stuff. So hope you guys enjoyed the regular season football. Um, and we will talk next week, guys. Thank you so much. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Mm-hmm.